Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor at Vintage Church. We're so grateful that you would take time to lean into a teaching from one of our weekend worship gatherings. Each week, one of our pastors opens the Word of God with a relevant message in the hopes that you are inspired to live and love like Jesus. We invite you now to open your heart and mind and lean into the Word of God. Hello, everybody watching online. Almost Merry Christmas, right? Are you, I I don't know how you are. I'm a little bit of a purist, you know, like right now we're in the season of Advent, not the season of Christmas. Christmas is December 25th, you know, so we're in that, that time when we're at the grocery store or at Marshall's, you know, and you're checking out and you're like, what am I supposed to say right now? Merry Christmas? It's not Christmas yet. Please don't let it be Christmas yet. I'm not ready. <laughs> I've got some more checking lists twice situation going on. You know, but, but I love Christmas. I love this time of year. I love the candlelight and the, the trees and the presents. I, I love the gathering with people. And I love that we get to be here together today. And we're in a series called A Thrill of Hope. And, you know, Matt told you last week, the, the reason that we're naming the series A Thrill of Hope is because it's, it comes from his favorite Christmas song, Oh Holy Night. That line that says, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And I don't know if there's a better word to uh, describe our world right now than weary. And even though, you know, we've had a real weird last couple of years, I don't, I don't know that we're more weary now than we ever have been. It's just different. It's just a different weary, you know? And I'm one of those people that like sun up to sun down and beyond, I can go. I am a like, well, I'll be honest, that, that morning time, I need a pretty long runway. But once, once I take off, you know, I can go, 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 go. But there's a, there's a point in the evening that I know if I sit down, I'm done. Do you know what I mean? Y'all, y'all feel that sometimes? And sometimes I think in this life that we live, you know, just our, just our ordinary circumstances that we go, 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 go. And we know if I sit down, like it's all over. Like I, I'm, I don't know that I'm going to be able to get back up. But if we would just take a minute to, to sit back and feel the weight that we carry all the time. Sometimes while we're carrying it, we're so used to it that we don't even see it. But if we could just take some time in this season, maybe it's this afternoon when you get home from church. Maybe it's later this week. Maybe maybe in the mornings, you know, when you you do your devotionals in the mornings, that maybe before you pick up your Bible, before you start asking God for the things that you need, and we definitely should do that, you just sit quietly for a minute. Not because anything magical is going to happen in that minute but just to feel the weight of the world, to acknowledge your weariness, and to remember that even in that weariness, that there is a thrill of hope, and that hope is Jesus. And we learned last week that hope means that it's a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. We all have hope, right? We all have hopes and dreams. We 
have them as, you know, as early as we can speak. There are things that, that we hope for, things that we want, things that we expect to happen. But sometimes what we expect and what we experience don't line up. We expected this thing to happen. We had hope that this certain thing would take place, would transpire, and what we currently experience is not that. And we find ourselves in a, a place of, of disappointment. And again, wearied. Wearied that we're not where we thought that we would be. And this week, I want us to, to look at Joseph. Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, finds himself in a most unexpected position. His life was on course. I'm going to assume by all we know, we have very few verses about Joseph. But his life was on track. He was engaged to be married to Mary. Somebody who's probably high regarded. She's a person of good character. We know that she was highly favored by God. Probably looking forward to the day that he got to build a home with her, a life with her, have kids with her. All of these things that, that he was holding and then one day she comes to him. Now, as far as we can tell, the timeline of this story is something like Gabriel tells Mary that she's gonna be pregnant even though she's a virgin and she's gonna conceive of the Holy Spirit. And after he gives her this message, she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth and she stays there for many months. Well, then she comes back. And I don't know if you know anything about pregnancy, but when you've been pregnant for many months, you start growing this bump in your front. And it's a bump that's hard to ignore. And after a while, it kind of gets in the way. And she comes back and I can just imagine Joseph being like, what were you doing with Elizabeth? What happened while you were away? You were that and that isn't mine. What is happening? His life was on course. He had a plan. We love plans. But now the image of the life that he had is forever changed. He cannot escape the circumstances that he currently finds himself in. And so he has to submit to, to what life has brought him. Now, I want you to know that, listen, I'm aware, there's no shortage of messages and sermons about Joseph, about what we can learn from him, his character and the situation that he found himself in. So today, I just wanna offer you a couple of things that I noticed that I really couldn't stop thinking about as we read the account of Joseph in the book of Matthew. So let's look in Matthew chapter one. This is the first book in the New Testament and Matthew is writing and he says in verse 18, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him 
in a dream. Now, the first thing that I couldn't escape, and I'm so glad God didn't let me escape these things, was that Joseph didn't ignore the reality that things were not the way they were supposed to be. Sometimes when our reality doesn't line up with the way that we thought it was gonna be, when our expectations haven't been met, we sometimes diminish our disappointment. We say things like, well, I mean, it wasn't that big a deal. Like, it's fine, it wasn't that big of a deal. I didn't, I didn't want it that bad. And I mean, I knew there was a chance that it wouldn't work out. And we say things like, oh, God must have had other plans. I mean, I just wanna do what God wants and obviously what God wanted is not what I wanted and so that's, it's fine. It's totally fine. We deny that there's any dissonance at all between what we wanted and what we are experiencing. We're like, no, 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 no. Really, I just wanted what God wants and, and it's okay, really. It's fine, it's probably, it's probably better this way, right? It's probably better that this didn't work out. It's probably better that I don't have this thing. It's fine. But Matthew calls Joseph a righteous person, which to me indicates that he is a person who would seek out honesty and truth. That he would place very high value on telling the truth, even to himself. He didn't live in denial that these circumstances were less than desirable. I mean, it tells us that his righteousness kind of required that he both protect Mary, he didn't want to disgrace her, but his righteousness also required that he divorce her, that, that he end this relationship because she had been unfaithful to him. He was a righteous person. She had disobeyed the law. And a righteous person couldn't enter into that kind of marriage. He wasn't ignoring the reality that things weren't what he hoped that they would be. I have to imagine that he, as he considered this, as he turned it over in his mind, that it wasn't just a one-time thought. It wasn't like, well, you're pregnant, I'm done. It's as he considered these things, there was a weight to this wrestling, he probably thought, okay, well, I can't just pretend that she's not pregnant. And I can't pretend that the baby's mine, cause it ain't. But she's saying things like that she's still a virgin. She's pregnant by God. I mean, that's basically blasphemy. She's, she's blaming God for her sin, but that's not like Mary. That's so out of character for her. And whoa, if it is true, if she is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, who am I to be the father? I mean, who am I? I can't handle that. Raising God's child? I have to imagine he would lay in bed at night and wrestle and wrestle and wrestle with these things. And so I, I wanna tell you today that if you are in a place where you're experiencing something that isn't what you expected it to be. It's okay to be honest about it. Have you taken a minute in this season to acknowledge, wow, God, 
this is not what I thought my life would be like right now. Two months ago, 10 months ago, 24 months ago, 20 years ago, I didn't think this is where I would be right now. I didn't, I didn't think that I would, I would be here. I thought, I thought you were opening that door for me to get that job. I, I thought you had made the way, you had prepared me. The door was open and somebody else got it. I thought that we would get that house. We looked at it, we loved it, everything was fine and the contract fell through. God, I prayed that she would live longer. I knew, I knew the prognosis wasn't good, but I thought she would be with us longer. And she's not. I thought that by now I would be married. I thought by now I would have a spouse. I did not think that I would be this age and still single. I didn't think that I would be looking for roommates to share rent because I thought I would have a husband or a wife to build a home with. God, I thought by now I would have a baby in my arms and I don't. It's okay for you to acknowledge that what you are experiencing right now isn't what you thought. And it's okay to take that to God. I think sometimes we don't wanna bring those grievances before the Lord because we somehow feel like it's ungrateful. That he will look at us and think, are you kidding me? Look at everything I've given you. How can you, how can you be upset about this? That's not God. He loves you. And he can handle your disappointment. He can handle your outrage. And maybe, maybe what you're experiencing right now isn't a complete departure from what you thought it would be. Maybe it's just harder than you thought it would be. You expected it to kind of look like this. You just didn't know how heavy it would be. I found myself in that position after we had our first child. I had been around kids my whole life. I was under no illusion that motherhood would, would be a smooth ride, okay? <laughs> but I did not know how tired I would be. I did not know how little sleep I would get. I did not know that I would stand in my son's bedroom in the middle of the night, rocking him and patting him and walking him and nursing him and singing to him and crying out to God, oh God in heaven, you have created the earth. You have made everything in it. Can you not make this baby sleep? <laughs> I've got lots of amens in here. I see you mamas. It's okay to cry out to God. You're not the first one to do it. You're in good company all throughout history. People from prophets to judges, to shepherds, to kings, to Jesus himself cried out to God when things weren't what they expected them to be, okay? It's all right. I want us to look at one of these examples. You can look with me in Psalm 44. 
Now, Psalm 44, uh, we don't know exactly who wrote it, but it's this story, this song of how faithful God is, about how God always went out with his people in the battle that none of the victory they experienced had anything to do with the sword in their hand or the bow by their side, but every victory that they claimed because, was because the Lord's hand was in it. And then the psalm turns, and apparently whatever they were facing at this time, they stopped winning battles. The foe stopped running away they started losing, not just losing battles, but losing life. And you can hear the psalmist. We're gonna pick up in verse 13 of Psalm 44. This, this is talking to God. He says, you, you make us an object of reproach to our neighbors, a source of mockery and ridicule to those around us. You make us a joke among the nations, a laughing stock among the peoples. My disgrace is before me all day long and shame has covered my face because of the taunts of the scorner and the reviler, because of the enemy and avenger. All this has happened to us, but we, we have not forgotten you or betrayed your covenant. Our hearts have not turned back. Our steps have not strayed from your path. And I wonder if righteous Joseph felt that, where he's like, God, I've done everything that you've asked. I follow you faithfully. And now Mary's pregnant with a child that is not mine. And my neighbors and my friends are laughing because I couldn't keep my wife in our bed. I'm a joke. What have I done wrong? He continues, verse 19, but you have crushed us in a haunt of jackals and have covered us with the deepest darkness. If we had forgotten the name of our God and spread out our hands to afford God, wouldn't God have found this out since he knows the secrets of the heart? Because of you, God, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are being counted as sheep to be slaughtered. Wake up, Lord. Why are you sleeping? Get up. Don't reject us forever. Have you ever felt like that? Like God's just sleeping on you? He fell asleep on duty and here you are. Hello, God. Can you not see? Can you not see that this is not how things are supposed to be? Can't you see my brokenness? Can't you see my disappointment? What more can I do? Wake up. Why do you hide and forget our affliction and oppression? For we have sunk down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up, help us, redeem us because of your faithful love. Your prayer and your cry of disappointment will not be the first nor the last that falls on the ears of our loving Father. You can cast all of your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. The God who carved out the depths of the sea and filled them with water and hung the earth and put it in orbit around the sun and created the galaxies 
can surely handle your disappointment and your doubt. You can call on his promises. That, that's what they did. He said, redeem us because of your faithful love. You can remind God, God, you promised that you would redeem us. You promised that you would be with us. You are a loving and kind and faithful God. This doesn't feel loving and kind to me. Remind God of who he is. He loves that. When you come to him and you say, God, I know who you are. Even though my circumstances don't tell that story, I know who you are. I want you to prove it to me. He loves it. Bring it to him. Now, Joseph, so let's go on. I want, to, I want to go back to Joseph, okay? So let's go back to Matthew 1. Let's start in verse 20. Let's see what happens next. It says, after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Surprise. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Yes, name your disappointment. Yes, acknowledge your reality. It's like one of those maps. Do you remember the malls? Do you, do you remember the mall? We're far cry from the mall now. You remember walking into the mall? What's the first thing that you saw when you walked in? You saw a map, and on that map, was a dot. And what did that dot say? You are here, right? Acknowledging your reality is saying, okay, here's where I am. When you're honest about your disappointments, you can say, okay, here I am. And then you can take inventory of what God has given you. What have you given me that will help me to move forward with what you have for me? What did God give Joseph? Well, he gave him a wife who was honest, who was favored by God. He gave him a son that was from the Holy Spirit. He gave him a promise that this child would save his people from their sins. Now, that might not seem like a lot, but it was enough to keep Joseph trusting God, even when his circumstances were less than ideal. His message to Joseph wasn't, hey, if you'll just trust me in this one thing, just marry her, everything will be fine. Don't worry, after this, it's totally smooth sailing. I just, you just need to get over this one hump. You just gotta get over this one hurdle. Now the road before them was really difficult for Joseph, for Mary, and for Jesus. You know, God, he didn't, Stop the rumors and the eyebrow raises from the community around Mary's out of wedlock pregnancy. It's not like God went around like knocking on people's doors like, hey, hey, I just want you guys to know that this baby, it's, it's totally fine. I, it's mine, okay? God didn't do that. 
He didn't smooth that over. They still had to live in the reality that people knew she was pregnant before they got married. That was a real big thing then. He didn't take King Herod off the throne before Jesus was born. Before King Herod gave that evil edict to murder every boy that was three and under so that no one would replace him as king. God didn't change that. God didn't keep a room open in Bethlehem so that his only son could be born. God didn't magically whisk his only son's earthly family away to Egypt to get him out of danger. And when in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus cried out to God and said, God, take this cup from me. What I'm getting ready to endure, I don't think I wanna do it. Take this cup from me. He didn't. God didn't take that away. And instead, that very night, Jesus was arrested and tried and crucified. God's promise is always enough to keep us moving forward. That, but that promise isn't that everything is always going to be easy. The nation of Israel found themselves also in a place where what was actually happening didn't line up with what they had expected. See, they had expected that a Messiah would come and they'd waited on it forever and ever. And they knew that this Messiah would save them. But what they were thinking was going to happen is that Messiah would come and free them from the oppression of Rome. But when Jesus came preaching repentance, he wanted to offer them not a freedom from oppression of Rome, but he, he wanted you to have freedom from the oppression of sin. And it was like the people of Israel, the people that were around him were like, no, 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 no. I mean, cool, cool. You want to, awesome. Yes, repent. Yes, turn back to God. And? Cool, cool, cool. You want to save us from sin? Sweet. Okay. And? They were, they were like, this isn't it. They did not expect that Jesus would be who he was or do the things that he did. And so they completely missed what he had for them. You see, they couldn't see, and sometimes neither can we, what a big deal it was to be set free from sin. But maybe Joseph, in his righteousness, understood the significance of that promise, that this baby boy would free his people from their sin. Y'all, we have been so long separated from God that sometimes I think we don't even know what we're missing. Adam and Eve knew it. They felt that separation from God and it felt like the very life was stripped out of them. But we are so far removed from that moment. That sometimes I don't even think that we know what we're missing. And I think that we live in a world that is so full of sin and we live lives that are so filled with sin that sometimes we don't even under, we don't even see it. You don't even see, like, you don't see the mess that you live in, right? You get so used to it. You get so accustomed to it. That when, when God says, hey, I'm gonna give you my son and he's gonna free you from your sin, you're like, okay, cool. And? 
No, like that's it. That's the promise. That we would be free of this burden of sin that we've carried for so long. God's way of showing his goodness isn't always the way that we would like or expect it to be. You see, God's not governed by our earthly and base definition of goodness that ebbs and flows with the current of our circumstances. So can things be good even when they're different? Absolutely. But I think that we need to recalibrate what we mean when we say good. Because God's goodness is given to us through his son Jesus, Emmanuel, God is with us. In our earthly flesh, we measure God's goodness by comfort and convenience. We want things to be easy, we want them to be in close reach, and we wanna feel comfortable while we're doing that. And we believe that this is God's goodness over us, right? When our bank account has enough money in it, oh, we are blessed and highly favored, right? But the minute that that bank account balance gets down to 100, 64, 12, <laughs> we start to sweat. We're like, God, what are we doing wrong? Where's your favor now? What do I need to do to get back into your good graces? But that's not the measure of God's goodness. Things that are easy and things that are comfortable, that's not how we know that God is good. God gives us his goodness by giving us himself. He gave us his peace and he gave us his presence for then, for now, and for forever. Jesus said in John 14, verse 25, he says, I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. He said in John 16, 33, I've told you this, these things so that in me you may have peace. Yes. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous, take heart. I have conquered the world. He even prayed very specifically to God that God would not take us out of the world, but that he would leave us in it. And you're like, are you kidding me? This is what you wanted? You wanted us to be in this broken, awful, terrible world? Jesus in John 17, 15, he, he prays to God. He says, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. You see, when we follow Jesus, we have to walk through this world. When we follow Jesus, we have to walk through this world and we will feel that. It will bump up against us. Even when we are following Jesus, we still might not be able to find a job. Even when we are following Jesus, we still might overdraft our bank accounts. We will experience heartbreak and disappointment and discouragement. People will gossip behind our backs. Our kids are going to get sick. People will die. This is just the reality 
of living in the world, but his promise is that he will be with you and that you are freed from the weight of your sin. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, he says, therefore we do not give up, even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. And I know what you're going through by now, right now might not seem light or momentary. It might feel very, very heavy. But compared to the eternal weight of glory, it is very light. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I think Joseph would probably amen Paul right there. (laughs) You see, Joseph's willingness to obey God, it made his life harder, not easier. He had his eyes though fixed on something he could not see. And so often we look for that earthly fix for something that only an eternal God can satisfy. And I'll be honest, as I've prepared to preach this this week, I thought, really God, that's it? That's what you want me to tell these people? Like to set their eyes on something that they can't see? They've got problems. I've got problems, real big problems that I can see. And what you want me to tell them is to focus on you, that, that we have hope in heaven, that, that there's some, something greater, that's it. I, honestly, I wanted to be Oprah in this moment, okay? I wanted to be like, you get a car, you get a job, you get some cash, you get a baby, you get a house. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be able to give you something earthly to fix the thing that you haven't been able to settle. I wanna fix it. But God was like, no, Jasmine, Uh uh-uh. You need to speak hope. Those are things. I am hope. Romans 8, 24 says, now in this hope, we are saved. But hope that is seen is not hope because who hopes for what he sees? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. We get impatient when we start hoping for things that we can see because it's like, oh, I can see that thing right there. I'm so close, I knew I can get it. We get impatient. But when we hope for things eternal and we hope for things that we cannot see, we can wait for it with patience because sometimes we don't even know what it is we're waiting for. But it's like, God, I know you're good. God, I know you're coming. I know, I know you will come through. I don't know what it's gonna look like, but I I hope, I have so much hope in you. I want to skip down to verse 31. Paul goes on, he says, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? And isn't that great news that God is both with us and for us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? 
God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He is also at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, and I hope this sounds familiar, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. He's quoting that Psalm 44 that we read together before. And I think it's as if to say, we shouldn't be surprised or continually stalled and set back when we face hardship. That we should expect it, not in a fatalistic kind of way of, well, everything's just gonna be bad, so it's fine. No, that we shouldn't be surprised when we come up against hardship. This has been the story of people who follow God since the beginning of time. You are not alone in being in a place you didn't expect to be. And then here's what he says. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing created will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that is how things can be different and still be good. That the savior of the world is come, is here and is to come. And that nothing that we go through in this life can separate us from his love. Nothing is going to keep him from getting to you. And it's not gonna keep you from getting to him, nothing. Now, I'm not trying to lower your expectations, okay? I'm not here to say, look, things are just gonna be bad, so you need to just lower that bar. No, I'm not here to lower your expectations. I'm here to set them. I want you to set your expectations on knowing that Jesus is here, that the Holy Spirit is with you, that He is Emmanuel, God with us, and you can call on Him and run to Him and cry to Him at any time time. He is always accessible to us. Now, the series that we're in, A Thrill of Hope, comes from the song, Oh Holy Night, but I want us to back up one line in that song. It says, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Yes, the world lays in sin and error and it is pining for the return of Jesus. But when Jesus steps on the scene, your soul knows its worth. Just because God made himself small and laid in a manger does not mean that God's coming to earth and his presence in your life is a small thing. God stepped in. God, who is timeless, 
who has no beginning and no end, set himself into the arc of time. He formed himself into the likeness of us, was born from a woman and laid in a manger and walked dusty roads of a Middle Eastern village all the way to a cross where he was crucified and then buried and raised to new life that we might have life in him. Heavenly Father, I cannot begin to comprehend or articulate the lengths that you have gone to to be with us. So God, as we find ourselves in circumstances that we did not plan for, that are less than ideal or maybe even downright awful, God, help us to remember that we are not in it alone, that you gave us yourself, and it is the best gift that we could ever ask for or think of or imagine. Thank you that our hope is anchored in you and the certainty that you are with us and that you are coming again. I pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Venice Church Podcast. We hope what you have just heard has inspired you to live and love like Jesus. If you'd like to know more about Venice Church or to get further connected, we invite you to visit us at our website at venicechurch.net. We'd also encourage you to download the Vintage app. There you can find more resources about how to get involved and grow in your faith. You can access the Venice Church app by going to app.venicechurch.net. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your spiritual journey, and we hope to see you soon.